0: Well, can I invite you to turn with me to the passage that we we read earlier in our service Philippians chapter 3. I'm sure you'll find it helpful to have it in front of you. We're going to be studying this together and you'll want to see that what I'm saying is not, well, it's not, I haven't just made it up, but it is from God's word and that it's he you're listening to and he you should be trusting. So let me encourage you to to turn that up, please, Philippians chapter 3. Before we... Come to God's word, let us pray together, shall we? <coughs> Almighty God, we thank you for your words. We thank you that it reveals both yourself to us and the means by which we can know you. We thank you that we call this the gospel and we thank you that the gospel covers every part of our lives and every part of eternity. And so we pray for us this morning as we come to this passage, which is, is difficult, There are difficult things to understand. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work and that you would speak clearly to us and in a way that which we can understand and in a way that which will benefit our souls. And so we pray for these things in and through your name. Amen. Well, as I've said a number of times, and as you can see from the screen behind me, This morning, we're looking at a passage which is all about enduring suffering. Suffering, as I'm sure you know, is something that everyone experiences. And it can take different forms, can't it? It can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be psychological, and it can even be spiritual. Everyone suffers. It's one of those things that unites everyone here in this room this morning. Well, as we're going to turn to this passage, we're going to see that it speaks, therefore, to you. We're going to see that it presents what we call the gospel, and it's going to show us how the gospel of Jesus Christ helps us endure suffering. We're looking at this in this letter from The apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, to the Philippians. And it's a letter, if you're not familiar with it, but it's a letter that is all about finding joy through suffering. Let me say that again. It's a letter that is all about finding joy through suffering. And the reason Paul writes to the Philippians about this is because they were a church who was suffering. And in fact, they were enduring immense suffering and and suffering that was particularly on account of Of the gospel. They believed in Jesus Christ, they believed in his resurrection, and as a result, they were being persecuted, they were suffering. So much so, actually, that they they were at the point of being tempted to give up their faith altogether. And so, throughout this letter, Paul builds his case on why, despite their sufferings, they should keep going, and actually, how, in fact, through their sufferings comes great joy this morning we're coming to one of the most important points in the letter where we read he really gets to the sort of heart of his argument how can god's people how can people endure suffering like i said this speaks to us all maybe you're not suffering this morning but you'll know that in, maybe even in the year ahead you're likely to face some kind of suffering and if you're suffering this morning, well, I hope this passage, it teaches you the gospel. It teaches you how, because of Jesus Christ, you can endure suffering. And how, wherever we are, we can know that there is joy in suffering. Well, let's get into it, shall we? We're going to see this in two points. There's two ways we can endure suffering. First of all, by striving forward with Christ and then standing awaiting christ well let's have a look at these points each in turn shall we uh, first of all striving forward with christ and you'll see there that the, the theme of this point or the direction that we're going is that suffering can be endured with christ and we see this really in the, the majority of our passage verses 10 to 19 and in these verses paul urges his listeners to follow his example of striving forward through suffering this is what Paul says. He says, here's my example, striving forward through suffering. And he says, join with me. I think you can see that clearly enough in verse 17. Do you see what he says there? Verse 17, he says, join with others in following my example. That's what he wants us to do. Well, the question arises, doesn't it, from this. What is Paul's example? What does Paul do? Well, Paul strives forward forward with Christ the striving forward I think is easy to see isn't it three times in three verses Paul talks about pressing on straining forward pressing on we see that there in verses 12 to 14 you can look down there you'll see it for yourselves he wants us to to move forward it's, it's not a standing still it's a it's a pushing on it's a straining but how how does this pressing on straining forward how does this relate to suffering Well, to understand this, we need to look at verse 10. Because verse 10 tells us what Paul wants. Let's have a look at verse 10. This is a really remarkable verse. See what he says? Let's read it again. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. It's actually quite a remarkable list, so I'll put it up here for us to see just exactly what Paul wants. He wants to know Christ. He wants to know the power of his resurrection. I'll say it again, the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like Jesus in his death, and attaining the resurrection from the dead. To understand, really, the, the sort of the wow factor of this verse, we need to remember or, or understand the context of this passage, of, of this book. Because when we realize what Paul is enduring, we realize that this is surprising. Because that's what, remember, what's this book about? it's, It's written from one sufferer to another. Paul is one who is suffering immensely for the gospel. And he's saying, follow my example. He's writing to the Philippians and he's saying, follow my example. He's not telling the Philippian church to escape suffering, but to endure suffering with Christ. That's why I put this stop here because you'll see there for yourself, Paul doesn't want to be free from his suffering. Rather, he wants to share in his sufferings of Christ. Even, even if it means experiencing a death like Christ. We need to be careful here, don't we? We need to be careful to, to see that Paul is not saying that his sufferings will replace or add to Jesus' sufferings. Nor is he saying that if, that if he suffers, he will attain the resurrection for himself. And I think that's clear from verses 12 to 14, which if you, you look down at, you'll see that Paul says time and time again that his, the glory he is striving towards has been won for him by Christ. Isn't that what he's saying? Verse 12, take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I press on, verse 14, towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heaven and earth in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that he can attain the resurrection through his suffering. He's saying we can endure suffering with Christ. We need to think about this a little bit, because whenever we read this and whenever we sort of digest it a little bit, we realise that this is actually the complete opposite of what the world says. Isn't that? What does the world say about suffering? The world says that suffering should be avoided. The world says that suffering, in some instances, should be ignored. And ultimately, it says that suffering should be eradicated. So actually, if you look down at verse 18, you'll see that this view was held by those in Paul's day as well. See what it says in verses 18 and 19? He says, "For as I have often told you before, and I again say, with, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destruction, or their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in shame. Their mind is on earthly things. You see these verses, the reason I draw your attention to them because this is how the church in Philippi was being tempted. They were being told that, this, that suffering was bad. That they, actually, they should be enjoying life. That they should be making the most of the world. Eat, drink and be merry. That's what they were being told. But you'll see there if you look at this verse, that this teaching that they're receiving, this temptation that they're under, it reduces Paul to tears, doesn't it? And the reason it reduces Paul to tears is not only is this a worldly way of thinking, but it speaks against the cross of Christ. Do you see that mention there? They're the enemy of the cross of Christ. Do you see that there at the end of verse 18? It's interesting, actually, I think we need to pay attention to the detail of the Bible sometimes because it's it's interesting, Paul does not say that they're enemies of Christ himself. Nor does he say that they're enemies of Christ's resurrection. Nor are they enemies of God's holiness. What are they? Enemies of the cross of Christ. What is the cross of Christ? Well, the cross is where Jesus suffered And through his suffering, salvation came. And the reason they're enemies of the cross of Christ is because whenever they are speaking to a church that is suffering for the gospel, they want them to distract them from suffering. They want to distract them from the example that Jesus himself gave. But Paul says, and he says it there in that famous passage in chapter 2, imitating Christ's humility, where he gave himself up to death, even death on a cross. The gospel says if you're suffering, you need to remain in your suffering, and you need to strive through it with Christ. This is pretty big stuff, I recognize that, but I've got a a quote here which will hopefully help us understand it, and it's, and uh, you'll see it here, let me read it to you, he's, he's commenting on, on, on what Peter says in 1 Peter 4.13, but this is what he says, and um, we'll, we'll dissect it. So he says, Christian suffering is Christological. Okay, now it's quite big, but we'll, we'll get to that, okay? So, and he says, you participate in the sufferings of Christ. That's what it says in 1 Peter 4.13. And this is the important thing. He says, thus our suffering, while never desirable in itself, is nevertheless to be treasured. Do you see what he says there? Our suffering, while never desirable in itself, is nevertheless to be treasured. What Don McCartney is saying is that when we suffer, we experience an intimacy with Christ that we would have never experienced without that suffering. When we suffer, we experience an intimacy with Christ that we would never experience, never have experienced without that suffering. And as odd as it might sound, in this way for the Christian, suffering is almost good. Because when God brings suffering into our lives or upon our lives, the fruit of that, the product of that, is that it brings us closer closer to our saviour and as we cling to him our rock and our salvation we can strive towards the prize for which he has won for us. Now I recognise this is really hard to understand and Paul recognises this too. That's why he says what he says in verse 15. You'll see there he says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. It's both... I think mature in age and mature in the faith. Those of us who have lived a while, you know that, well, suffering, one, is unavoidable, but two, suffering is for our good. But I think, like I said, we, where else do we see us? Well, we, we know it's hard because of this language of straining ahead. It's not an easy journey, is it? It's not something we bound ahead. It's a struggle, it's hard. Before we move on to our second point, I want us to, to, to try and prove this to you one more way by saying, I think we know this is true. And I think we know it is worthwhile. I think we know it's true because we know that we're more closely united to people who share our experiences. Um, that's why, uh, maybe this has been the case for you, but that's why many of us marry people uh, from our part of the world. You know, there's an understanding there, isn't there? It's not just in our accent, but in our worldview and everything. We have the same experiences and we're united to one another. But a better example, and an example that pertains much better to this sort of going on here suffering, is, is from those who experience, you know, sort of extreme trauma together. I've never experienced this myself, but I'm led to believe that that people who go through a truly traumatic experience are united to one another in a deep and profound way. You've maybe come across this yourself. People who are complete strangers and have nothing else in common, but they experience that moment of extreme trauma has bound them to one another in a way that is almost inexplicable and they are bound together for the rest of their lives. It's true, isn't it? Suffering binds us to other people, and our suffering binds us to Christ. But we also know it's worthwhile. Suffering is worthwhile, isn't it? We know this when we read the Psalms. What are the Psalms, I ask you? What what do you think of the Psalms? Well, the Psalms speak of joy in the midst of suffering. That's why we read Psalm 27. But they tell us. The reason they're able to tell us that is because they speak of the experience of Jesus. This is why the Psalms are so important to us. Because when we read them, not only do they help us better articulate our emotions and feelings, but they comfort us in the knowledge that what we are feeling is the same as what our Lord Jesus Christ felt. The Psalms are God's Word. We, we read, didn't we, Psalm 27 at the beginning, and it said right at the very beginning it was the Psalm of David. Yes, it is. It tells us about his life, and it's interesting. But it's God's word. It tells us about the experience of our Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever we read Psalms, not only do we hear our own experiences in the pages before us, but we know that we have a King, a Savior, and a Lord who experienced them before us and who is them experiencing them with us. And you see, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is how the gospel transcends every aspect of our lives. It seeps into every moment of our lives. Even the darkest moments. Even the hardest moments. I ask, I hope you see it, I hope you hear what Paul is saying. He's saying ignore the world. The world tells you that suffering is bad, that that, that you should deny it, that you should eradicate it. Well, what's the world trying to do? It's trying to get you to give up your faith. It's trying to get you to deny the sufferings of Jesus Christ on the cross. I encourage you this morning that if you're suffering, or as you prepare yourself to experience suffering, that you would join with Paul. What does he say? That you would know the fellowship of sharing in Christ's sufferings even if it means you join him in his death. This is how we endure suffering. This is how we keep going. And as we strive forward with Christ, we will receive the prize for which he has won for us. That was quite a lot, I reckon. So let's move on to our our second point. We're going to see something, hopefully, a lot less heavy. And that is the second way in which we can endure suffering is by awaiting Christ. And you'll see there... That the theme, or where we're going in this passage, is that we can endure suffering by waiting for Christ. And we see this in our sort of final couple of verses, uh, verses 20 to the end. And it's been a while, so let's read them together, shall we? Verses 20 to the end. This is what Paul says. So he's saying, in contrast, but, in contrast to the world, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crying, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Now it's clear from these verses, isn't it, that Paul wants the Philippian church to continue in the Lord. He says as much in verse, verse 1 of chapter 4, doesn't it? He? he says, this is how you should stand firm. Remember, they're under attack. They're being tempted to give up the faith, tempted to give in because of the sufferings that they're experiencing. Well, as we look at these verses, we're going to see how they can do that. And we're going to see this by, by comparing sort of our verses with our first point. And, and you'll see that there's actually a contrast going on here. So let's have a look at, at our verses and see where the contrast lie. So, so first of all, um, you remember verses 12 to 16, Paul is telling the the Philippians to strive forward towards the prize which Christ has won for us. A prize, verse 14, if you'll see, which we'll receive when we're called heavenward, when we go into heaven. Well, what does it say in verse 20? He says, stand firm and wait for the prize to come to us out of heaven. Isn't that what it says, verse 20? Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on that verse, you'll actually see the second contrast. And that's when Paul moves from talking about a race, you know, striving forward, pressing on, to talking about citizenship. And as he combines these contrasts, this standing firm and citizenship, Paul, that's how we get our second point. Paul is saying that not only do we endure suffering by striving forward with Christ to receive the prize which he has won for us, but we endure suffering by standing firm and waiting for Christ's return. That's what we talked about in our children's address, but this is the same illustration I want to use with you. What does a citizen do when they find themselves in trouble in a foreign land? Well, what do you do? What would you do in that situation? You'd find an embassy, wouldn't you? And you'd sit tight and you'd wait for your home country to rescue you. A great example of this is the evacuation of, of the British Expeditionary Force uh, from Dunkirk in June 1940. I'm sure you'll all know this story. Uh, the story. British, the British Expeditionary Force had been driven back by the advancing German army and they were surrounded on every side uh, and they needed rescued. And so they waited, didn't they? They hunkered down. And one of the greatest sort of rescue missions of all time took place and got those men and women out of there. Well, this kind of picture, this image, is what Paul has in his mind here. And he wants the Christians, both in Philippi and here this morning, to know that you do not belong to this world. You don't belong to this world. That's why what they say to us about suffering makes no sense to us. He says, you're stranded here. You're stranded in your sin. And you're surrounded by an enemy who wants, to give, wants you to give up your faith and wants you to deny the sufferings of Christ. But Paul says, even though you're suffering, even if you cannot feel like you cannot move forward, he says, know that if you belong to Jesus Christ, one day he will return to rescue you. The great news is verse 21. If you look at verse 21, it tells us that when Jesus returns, he will transform our bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Isn't that great news for those of us who are in Christ? It's great, isn't it, to know I mean, how much of our suffering starts with our bodies, our minds. How great is it to know that when Jesus returns, these broken, failing bodies of ours will be made new. In fact, Paul says elsewhere that it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that worth waiting for? Isn't that worth standing firm for? And you see, it is this reality, this aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ that enables us to endure suffering. Think about it. Think about those times that you're alone in your thoughts. Those times when it seems like there's no end in sight. When you feel that you're completely and utterly beaten. Those times when the pressure gets too much. Paul says, look heavenward. Look heavenward and know that you have a saviour there who will return. And so stand firm. Don't give an inch to the temptations of the world to deny your suffering, to eradicate yourself, to throw away your suffering. Don't give an inch and give in and give up your faith. Instead, hold out. Hold out because Jesus is coming back and he will rescue us from all pain and suffering and he will deliver us into his kingdom. What did Psalm 27, one day I ask, isn't that what he says? Let me see if I can find it. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's what he calls us to do. Jesus calls us to do. He says, one day that will be true. So stand firm. You will live with me forever. One of the reasons I was really glad to preach this sermon now is because I think this was really helpful at this time of year with Christmas and New Year. Christmas is is one of the ways, I believe, that, that the world tries to endure suffering. You've maybe seen this yourself. Christmas, to me, for a lot of people, is escapism it's, you know, it's a t- sort of two days of the year that everyone just agrees to pretend that everything is alright and we do, we see so many people sort of desperately searching for joy you know, in family or, or presents or food that's actually why I think Christmas starts earlier every year because our world struggles to endure suffering and it's the same with New Year's resolutions isn't it we want the next year to be better or at least to be as good as our, our last year even though well, what does personal experience tell us? It tells us that our wishes and our desires have no power over what is to come. But the good news of Jesus Christ this morning is that it's not what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is not just to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, but to anticipate his return. and anticipate his return in the knowledge that in the future, what Jesus will provide, the future of Christ will be infinitely, infinitely better than anything we could hope or dream of. And so that is how we endure suffering. We stand firm and we await Christ's return. Let me close by returning to the theme of the letter. Some of you people take notes. I'll not ask you to shout it out, but ask yourself, what is the theme of the letter? It's finding joy, isn't it? Finding joy in the midst of suffering. And that's the great truth that I want us to leave with. Because that's the the great thing that the gospel really provides for us. It doesn't just help us endure suffering, it brings us joy in the midst of suffering. Think about our first point. What did our first point say? It says that when we suffer, we experience an intimacy with Christ. And so, isn't there joy in that? Isn't there joy in knowing that whenever we suffer, we get to know him better and become more like him? What about our second point? Well, we saw that suffering makes us focus on Christ's return. And isn't there joy in knowing that Jesus will come back one day and that we'll be like him in an instant. And we'll be rescued from this world of suffering forever. You see, there's joy in the gospel. Where where does the world offer joy? It's temporary. It's not lasting. It's in their stomach. Isn't that what he says? In shame, in destruction. There's no joy there. There's joy in joining with the suffering of Christ, our Savior, who came into this world, who lured himself. That's what it says. Humbled himself. Became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We all suffer, don't we? That's what we said at the beginning. Whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual. But there is an answer. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that helps this world, that has an answer to suffering and helps us endure suffering. We can't escape it. But in him, in Jesus Christ, we can endure suffering and we can even find joy in the midst of it. And so I encourage you whoever you are whether you're a mature believer a new convert or even an unbeliever to take hold of this gospel. To strive forward in your suffering. Don't avoid it. Don't deny it. Don't even work to eradicate it. Rather even though it might be hard I ask you or encourage you to thank God for it and see that through it you can enjoy a deeper relationship with your Savior. And I encourage you not to look anywhere else for a rescue apart from Jesus Christ. And encourage you to wait for his return and the transformation he will bring on that last great day. Let me pray for you to that end. Um, let's bow our heads and let's pray.